Hi everyone, welcome to QCCS Mackay Cutters Change the Game podcast. I'd like to acknowledge the Yui people of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to ours past, present and emerging. This episode is called Locale. I'm joined with Adam Cuthbertson uh, from Mackay Cutters, new assigning to our Host Plus Cup team and also a staff member working across our football operations, the women's programs and junior reps. Adam's had a long career in the NRL and the Super League spanning 323 professional games. Adam, this is going to be a great chat. We're going to learn a lot about your roller coaster experiences through your playing days and also some insight into your well-being and and what you do for your mental health. Change the Game, brought to you by the Mackay Cutters. So was it... 17 years playing professionally? Yeah, so I debuted in 2006. Yeah. So I debuted quite late, to be honest. Um, a lot of people nowadays tend to debut at that 17, 18-year-old mm. age. There's a lot of bigger humans nowadays. Everyone seems to have just grown a little bit more, the new generation coming through. But yeah, I debuted quite late. So yeah, not too many seasons under my belt, but quite a few games, especially playing in the Super League over there in the UK. Yes, let's talk about that. You moved over in 2015 to transition from the NRL over to the Super League. Yep. What are the main differences there, firstly, and then we'll talk about the challenges and differences coming back to Australia, transitioning to and from. Yeah, so first and foremost, you – yeah, I picked myself up from living in Newcastle on the uh, on on the coastline of New South Wales. There, living uh, a very very much down near Merriweather Beach. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's very coastal, very beachy, great lifestyle. Playing, you know, the pinnacle of sport in NRL for I think it was eight years, close maybe eight to ten years. I can't remember off the top of my head. Over with the with a number of different clubs, Manly. Cronulla briefly, St. George, then Newcastle before I took off to the UK. When I got over there, it was one of those, it was, it was an exciting opportunity, especially because I was 29 turning 30. I had it, I suppose, in my head, I had a, a retirement age, which. What was that? <laughs> laughing at now, 30. 30. In my head, I thought, um, I'll get to 30. And, you know, that was sort of like the average age, I suppose, at the time. People, yeah. you heard a lot of people hanging up the boots around 30. So when I'm, Naturally, when I'm getting to 29, 30 and I'm getting offered a, essentially what it was is a four-year contract in the UK, um, I just thought brilliant opportunity to uh, you know play the game I love at a high, really high level, but then get to see the rest of the world as well. Had a number of conversations back and forth with with Brian Mack, who was the head coach at the time, Gary Heverington, who is the chairman of the club over there at Leeds, and Wayne Bennett, um, who was you know, mentoring me at the time, more or less, through my time at the Dragons and at Newcastle. Um, he gave me some really good advice about, you know, clubs to, if you're going to pursue the UK option, what clubs he wouldn't wouldn't play for. And I'm not going to bring those ones up right now, but one of them that he was re- had nothing but positive things to say w- about was, uh, was Leeds. So when we came to an agreement, it was like a no-brainer in the end and made a decision and had to pack up, start packing up anyway and, and make the move to the UK, which I'll be honest, when I got there, I was really excited, but I was really shocked about the the lifestyle, getting over there in winter and not seeing much sun at all um, for the majority of the winter. You know, you'd, you'd wake up in darkness and some days just never see the sun at all. <laughs> Honestly, that's how bad it was. Yeah, so you would have had an idea of it going over, but 
not as much as you thought? No. So, like, you obviously watch movies and TV shows and people talk about it, but, you know, until you get there and experience it, I'm painting a pretty dark picture. It's It's not that bad. There's, like, it's quite, in a way, once you adapt and you adjust and you accept a different way of living, then it's really easy. Winter's quite a beautiful place. If any, if you if you wanted to experience like a really good, a cool Christmas sort of, um, I suppose, experience vibe in a traditional sense, UK's a beautiful place. I couldn't, there's not many places that put on Christmas like the UK and, and Europe in general. So once you fall into a way and, and accept that, that way of living is going to be different, then it sets you up for some amazing experiences, which I ended up having. Mm. Um, but yeah, it did at first, it was a, a huge adjustment. So culturally, obviously, it was, a, it was a huge change, huge difference. But yeah, once once I sort of bought in and um, embraced, embraced those differences, it was uh, a brilliant place to live. And then on the football front, you know, it, uh, straight away, it excited me when I got there because... I suppose the way to explain the Super League is a bit more old-fashioned, especially when I arrived on the scene. There wasn't too many technicalities about the way we trained. The because we trained during those harsher periods of the year and in those in those winter periods, we're on a three G. Some days it was like one degree minus four degrees. You just didn't know what you're going to rock up to. Some days rocked up, it was just snow on the pitch. So it was very about becoming adaptable on the run which Brian Mack was brilliant at coaching as well. Would you train in the snow? Some days, some days, depending on, just depending on how thick it was or the days that was dangerous, we wouldn't, were when it was ice. So when that snow had turned into ice because it had melted and then reformed or some days you'd turn up on the pitch and straight away you'd know if you're training or not uh, because it would just be ice under your feet. And on the flip side, this is really strange, on the flip side you'd get to those summer periods and it would turn to like, turned rock hard. It wasn't like here, there was no in between. Mm. <laughs> so you got you got obviously the um the big stadiums and that that had had the upkeep or the the four G, I think it's called five G when they mix the the grass with the with the synthetic. Those sorts of places were were good because they had a sand base, but you're only in the Super League you're very lucky to to be able to go out and play on those sorts of pitches. Headingly was brilliant. Yeah. I can't I can't fault Hiddingly. That was uh <laughs> that was an outstanding place to play. But yeah, so adapting to that was a bit of a change as well. Um catching the ball in minus four degrees is a difficult I tell you, it's difficult. Mm. It's a difficult situation. Hand warmers? Nope. <laughs> Weren't allowed them. Weren't allowed them. Nope. My first training session I I turned up and I'd put my hoodie on and had my hood on and Brian Mack, we're running doing a lap around the oval. Brian Mack's about six six. He's quite if you don't know him, he can be, I suppose, a very um, intimidating figure. He's about six six. Served on a couple of tours during when when the UK were going into Northern Ireland, and he also boxed. So when I rocked up, had a good relationship from day dot. But then we're running around the oval, and he just screamed out my name, Cuthbert. And I turned around. All the boys were jogging alongside me. He looked at me and just like made this like signal. All he wanted me to do was take the um, the cord in my hoodie out and put it aside because you know we're about to get into some contact and it can be dangerous. Oh, yeah. But the signal he did it was like, oh, what's? And then I thought, and one of the boys tipped me off. And then I looked back at him to like almost go thumbs up, and he was like airboxing. <laughs> 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 I thought, Next message. I didn't. Yeah, I, I thought is he. 
imaging my head and him punching <laughs> it. But when you get to know him, you realize that's that was like he's he used to airbox as a like way to you know to think. And yeah, it was interesting uh, first week. First week, a lot of a lot of adapting and and getting used to the new establishment, the the culture, um, the conditions, the languages, the dialects. So many dialects in north north of England. So you know it was difficult to understand people for a long period of time there. But I embraced it. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, great experience. So then transitioning back to Australia. So you've just moved to Mackay with your young family, and you've come to work and and play for the Cutters. And we're really excited to have you on board. What's been the immediate challenges for you guys as a family and also for you on the field? Well, the What's big... it like training in the sun? <laughs> well, I'm 37 now, so, you know, obviously I've, I've done a bit since since I started out when I debuted in 2006, but so I've got my head around being able to adjust a lot quicker than I once did. Yeah. And the UK taught me a lot about adapting to your surroundings, you know, not hoping or trying to change your, your surroundings to be like how you would picture it where you grew up, you know, I grew up in Avalon Manly. I can't expect it to be like Avalon Manly in the UK and or in Mackay or anywhere for that, that fact. So just embracing people, the, the differences um, that the areas bring the culturally and, you know, just what they have to offer. Like the amazing, I was just talking about it with the guys in the lobby when I came in talking about how we've been to Cape Hillsborough on the weekend and see the kangaroos and, that was that setting was just like stunning to me, like yeah. absolutely amazing. And they're the sorts of things to talk about embracing the area and, and what it has to, to, to give. So I'll get back to the topic now. So yeah, adjusting back, now being 37, three kids, uh, three kids under four, had lived in the UK now for six years in Leeds, two years in York, so essentially eight years. And I did a lot of hoarding in that time because – you know, we had a family home and you just, you don't realise, you know, how much stuff you can accumulate. So, Especially with kids. Absolutely. So the, the the first challenge was just like, I think, I can't remember when we made the agreement, but it didn't give us much time to get back, especially having to sell up a lot of our stuff and pack up stuff and stick it on the ship. And we got to a point where we had a week to go and we're still frantically trying to pack and having to cull stuff and... Yeah, do all sorts of things. I have a property in the in York in the UK, so I was finding someone to rent it out in the meantime and booking flights and everything. It all just sounds it sounds pretty straightforward, but suddenly with three kids it becomes quite difficult. So a big challenge first and foremost was getting on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we um take a breath once you get on. Absolutely. So we ended up three kids and my missus, obviously. We had about 10 bags, carry-on bags that we had to check in, two baby chairs, two strollers. We had it all. I remember we were walking across was Manchester we flew out of and we stayed overnight at the Ibis actually in um, in Manchester. It was literally next door and we had a we had to be at the airport for check-in at 4 a.m. So we're getting up at 3.30, walking out the door so we could get there by 4 a.m. I was walking across the main road to the airport at this time in the morning and um, I had everything on a trolley. I, I thought I was really smart when I got a trolley before we walked across and in the middle of the main road, everything fell off the trolley. Oh, and no. it, was been, it was such a difficult week and that nearly broke us. <laughs> nearly yeah. broke us. But once we got everything checked in and uh, got on the plane, it was sweet. But it has been a, a bit of an adjustment because suddenly you take your whole life, you pack it up in boxes and you fly across here and we're more or less – 
at a point where we're just starting again, come up to Mackay and just, yeah, looking to really start from scratch. As you'd be aware, it's really difficult in Mackay to find a rental. So we've been living in uh, the Ibis Hotel at the airport for, for the last three weeks, but we're almost almost out, which is going to be brilliant to have a bit of space with the three kids yeah, <laughs> around that's, it. that's a real positive. I yeah. Mean, it feels like it's a bit of a... It's definitely a crisis in Mackay, the, the rental space and housing, but all, all over sort of Queensland. Yeah, yeah. Sydney as well. Sydney. I, I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good thing, especially for Mackay, because it just shows you that, you know, there's, there's a ton of work up here and, you know, hopefully it just continues to build the economy, which grows, you know, the area, yeah. allows the area to continue to develop, um, which is always a good sign, you know. Um, and for us, it's like, it's it's been great because, again, we've had to learn, again, like, we, we're obsessed with Queenslanders now. We've seen that many houses and then and, and, uh, viewed that many properties that now we're starting to learn a bit about the way of living as well and why they're so, why they're so popular and there's a lot of them around. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know anything about them until then. So, yeah, been a little bit of a blessing in disguise and, and given us a bit of a hobby to the side of work to focus on. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, so what's your been impressions of, of work? You've started in the role of football operations coordinator, working with our head of footy, Kim Williams, and really heavily um, involved of the women's program in at the club. We've got a new team this year, the BMD Cutters, and it's really exciting for the club. What's it been like for you? Yeah, it's been great. Um, you know, obviously it's been brilliant to to be here and, and work at the club. I sort of formed a bit of a relationship with Kim over the last couple of years. We've had a number of conversations everything rugby league related, obviously. Um, we both love talking about rugby league and and I suppose being strategic about rugby league. So I'm now in the office with him. So as you can imagine, when we get talking, it's always it's always quite interesting conversations, a bit of a laugh every other conversation as well, which makes it easier. But yeah, now being involved with the women's setup has been exciting. Their first year in, in the BMD competition, obviously they were technically I suppose the gold stars last year but we've reformed as the Mackay Cutters which is which has been really exciting because it's the first year out so the program's brand new I've come in I've been able to work with Marco the head coach to start forming what the program's going to look like going forward and setting foundations for that program so everything I love doing so it's been been really exciting really great fun so far you mentioned being coached by Wayne Bennett so no doubt and you talked about the the mentoring along the way so you've had some really good coaches along the way what have been some of the lasting lessons that have stayed with you yeah so I've over the over the 10 year period eight to 10 year period in the NRL I've been for, so fortunate enough to be coached by Des Hasler Jeff, Jeff Tuvey was my coach in reserve grade before I came up to, to play under um, Des then Ricky Stewart for a year um, then Wayne for the last four years of my career so all brilliant in their own right the one that really stuck with me, and and sorry, I should say Brian Mc, uh, McDermott to to be mm. to be fair to him because he had a huge part in the success I had in the UK, and to keep that su- success quite consistent in my time in the UK because, like most sports, it's a bit of a roller coaster ride rugby league, and you know we weren't always successful at Leeds, and when you when you're not winning trophies at Leeds, it almost you might as well just come last and be a wooden spooner, so. Him keeping the ship together and with individual personalities, he was very grateful to my time with Brian. But the one, probably the one um, coach I learned a lot of great lessons both on the pitch and off the pitch was with Wayne. Over the four years with Wayne, everyone's 
heard stories about Wayne and what he's like as a coach. You know, a lot of people say he's a great mentor of men, which he is. He really is mixed with, you know, the brilliant mind of a coach. When I actually went to Dragons was off the back of an opportunity. So back into my time at Cronulla, I'd fallen out, been overweight, struggled a bit away from rugby, which essentially affects my rugby. I think I ended up blowing out to about 116 kilos and Anyone that knows me or has seen me, I'm all arms and legs. So like 116 kilos all sat in my torso, torso section. So not very healthy I'm a human being at the time. And it was a way, my choice and my way of living was really affecting me based off a number of situations that have come up in, in my life. Not that I ever wanted them to affect me. And it was more of a subconscious decision rather than go out and be self-destructive and obviously not understanding or being educated enough in, in how to better myself and improve myself as an individual. When I went under Wayne and his staff there at the Dragons, they took more time rather than seeing me as a player. They took more time to see me as a person and that really helped me kick on as a player, funnily enough, because once I got off-field issues, education, all, all that above right, then it created a lot more of a consistent lifestyle, which then helped ultimately help me become a better person, better player more consistently. So yeah, when I went to Dragons, I was 116 kilos. I think did a lot of work with me. I got to a point, not just not just making me run lengths and, and fitness wise, but got me down to about 99 kilos. And a lot of that was based on um, my mental well-being. you know, suddenly enjoying my rugby, enjoying life, getting life in order and becoming just a healthier version of myself, realising and understanding things that trigger me, you know, and I don't mean trigger me in the sense where I'm overly self-destructive and, and go out and cause damage or, uh, or, or to myself or to others, just things that start to, to uh, create a trend in my life, you know. We always talk about when I was learning about my dietary needs and stuff like that, how when you add something to your diet, that you'd never eaten before once a week, then it accumulates up over time. You, it's like a silent killer. Mm, so that, yeah, yeah. So those sort of things I could relate to with, with life in general. Like you, had, you start forming habits and creating habits that you don't think are a problem, but then they start creeping into your life and build up and build up. And then suddenly, you know, you don't see them coming and they, they, they affect you. Because the one thing about young men that get paid a lot of money is they tend to get, a bit cocky, a bit ahead of themselves and become a bit complacent, I suppose. Not everyone does, but, you know, majority of us would think we're well beaters at a certain age earning a certain amount of money. So, yeah. unfortunately, and it's good that I can reflect on it now in hindsight and say that was me, that was, you know. Mm. I was really fortunate enough to be able to learn from it and be smart enough to take that advice on and get better from it. What was the advice? There was something come out, um, Alex McKinnon said it um during the week on Bloke in a Bar, talked about how Wayne confronted him after his, his, his injury and hurt himself against Melbourne Storm, which has put him in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And he basically confronted him, not in a not in an aggressive manner, but like just someone needed to almost grab him by the scruff of the neck. And he did the same with me and say, you got to recognise and accept what's happened but then now you've got to start making something for your life and, and you know, um, building some purpose in your life. 
And I wouldn't say it was anything overly specific that he said, but more of a along those that context where he guided me in the right direction and educated me on how to become better and a better man, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Without going too deep into it, that thing that you were dealing with behind the scenes that was affecting you as a person um, on the field and off the field, you, know, you had to learn to acknowledge acknowledge it, understand it, and then you know, start repairing yourself to be the best version of yourself. And if we can talk through some of those things that you, you did have to do to get there. Yeah, so a lot of my um, a lot of my issues came from and the things that were flagging up in my life were based around some some family problems that I had, which to a degree I held on to. Like I, and this is the thing. Like I think it's important to let people know that no matter what it is you're going through, some people carry burdens that feel like a ton of bricks. Some people, and that same burden that feels like a ton of bricks might feel like a feather to someone else because you can't measure people's burdens on, on, based on their situation. Everyone, everyone will approach and be affected by different situations differently because mm. we're not all formed the same. We don't all think the same. So I had a bit of a family issue that went on in my life that I held on to and kept secret for a long time because of that it, uh, i built up a lot of anger resentment towards people and couldn't quite let it go even though i thought i dealt with it by myself i always buried it deep and it always it continued to keep coming up over time you know no matter how much i felt like i'd beaten it it would always rear its head from time to time which essentially created that roller coaster in my life which affected me both on and off the pitch. Sounds like, you know, people sound sometimes cheap saying that, but mm. man, it is what it is. And and until I recognized it and confronted it, which was a big part of what Wayne helped me with, confronting the issue through simple conversation. And guidance. And guidance. It wasn't until then that I could truly move on and better myself. But yeah, it was And then once you did that. Once I did it, not only was like, felt like the biggest relief ever. Helped me to rebuild those relationships in my life that broke down because of all that resentment I held towards people. That end, it helped me, it really helped build relationships with other people and help other people go through like almost in a mentoring sort of way, but not really. It's just like having a conversation with people, get out of what that probably would assume was a slump or in the same situation as where I was in. That's one thing I've always found, like conversation, conversation always helps, you know. I think we were talking about it yesterday and I was saying that like, again, with these burdens, regardless of how big or small they, you think they are because you're comparing them to other people's problems or issues or whatever, they're as big as they feel to you. They could be that ton of bricks where it's someone else's feather. But unless you talk about it, you won't realise how much other people can help to heal you almost to a degree mm-hmm. so and yourself which is more importantly you know yeah. actually speaking about it openly helps you to heal and then when you speak about it openly you tend to find people have gone through similar stuff and then you can relate and it just helps everyone yeah if, i suppose yeah and in hindsight like you wish you'd done that from the start but you know you've probably had to go through i mean you had to but you did go through that and you've come out the other end of it you know in a better place but 
It's a tough old, it's a tough old um, industry, rugby league, especially like when I started coming through. You know, we weren't too educated on mental health and there was a period of time there, I suppose, and, and I love seeing how how educated the kids get now, but you almost would have appeared to be a bit soft and, yeah. you know, it would have created some, opened up some vulnerabilities to people to almost attack you with and sledge or what. That, that was real. It was, yeah, it happened. Whereas now it's almost like we're all going through it together and we're all starting to open up and, and understand it better, which is a beautiful thing to see because the world's becoming more educated and you're seeing people succeed and become more successful because of it. Where I've got, I've got a ton of mates that I've grown up with they are all brilliant athletes and probably would have made it but didn't have the opportunity to be educated the way I was or where the kids are now. Yeah. Um, so they didn't get to see their full potential. Well, yeah, I think we're... And we're definitely a club and we're in a position now where we've got some really good support networks around our players and, and staff and, you know, the change of game. The whole point of us doing this podcast too and you know, getting guys on like yourself to open up about your experiences too, have someone connect with this and, and, and maybe put that aside and go and talk to someone about something they've been hanging on to. So hopefully this does resonate with someone and I'm sure the things that we're doing at the club and, and you, you're doing – as well with the wellbeing work you'll, you've taken on with the women's program, are going to help people. Uh, the roller coaster of a professional football career that you've mentioned a number of times. So through that, two great life experiences. So and you've, you know, from speaking to you over since you've got here, you've talked about how you felt like you've lived a couple of different, two separate lives almost. <laughs> and it's a lot about learning about yourself and yeah. accepting things and your personal values and everything like that. So talk me talk me through a bit of this and and share what you'd like to share. Um, in terms of the the when I when I was um, referring to two separate lives is like I suppose you probably see more of it now, but as a rugby league player growing up in a very male dominant sort of scene, I wasn't so you know probably wouldn't earlier in my career I wasn't so willing to um, share my interests, my hobbies, my things like that. But now. It's almost, it's so strange. It's almost become cool. Yeah. <laughs> the the weirder you are, the cooler it's become. And that's social more, media, I suppose. More, more interesting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. And that's how it should have always been, to be fair. And, and to a degree, it probably was. People just buried it and they weren't willing to accept it because it wasn't like trending or whatever. But yeah, I've, um, I suppose over my career, I've, I've learned a ton about myself and what interests me and and it's brought out a real creative side of me as well, away from the pitch. Like um, you mentioned at the beginning, uh, I've got The Locale, which is a brand that I created in the UK. I created into the, I created the, the product, so it's a beer product. Um, it's a low-calorie, zero-carb, zero-sugar um, lager that I created in 2016, launched it in 2020, soft launch with, with two of my business partners during COVID because there's nothing else you could do. Rugby wasn't being played, nothing. So we got in the, got into a brewery and started brewing beer. <laughs> but things like that, like I've always been really creative. Like I, I went through a really poor breakup in 2016, sorry, 15, which, you know, I ended up living, I was on my own for the first time for a long time, you know, in the UK. It was the start of winter and I had to figure out basically how to, how to enjoy my own company. I, I mentioned to you before that 
I, I really learned how to enjoy my own company when I travelled around Europe on my, by my own, even though it was scary. And I was 30, so it shouldn't be scary, but you get used to, you form habits and, and you get comfortable with certain things and then suddenly you get, you have to break out of your comfort zone because of life happening. And um, and I just went for it, you know, got busy and, and went for it. And I created, formed all these like really cool hobbies during that those couple of years um, where I was on my own and painting and things like that and getting creative in the garden. So I did a bit of landscaping um, during my time in 2016, which was really cool and enjoyable and picked up all these hobbies, which led me into into the beer, creating the beer brand in 2020. But yeah, a life away from rugby. I think I always felt like, probably, sorry, not felt like, but started understanding how important it is. Funny, I always looked up to Stephen Menzies throughout my time at Manly because he was not just because he was such a brilliant player and lovely bloke, but because I just recognised this ability in him to almost transform once training's done into like a different sort of a different fella. Like he had a business at the time that he'd walk away from training and and refocus on that. And when I noticed it, I thought that's what I want to be like. I want to be able to get to that point where switch on, switch off. Absolutely, because. At that age, I was burning myself out. Like I was, I was burning myself out massively. Always worrying about what the coach is thinking. Always worrying about this, that, and the other. Could never really focus on and enjoy my life away from rugby. Yeah. So it wasn't late until my in, in into my time in, as a first grader that I realised that. But that's something I try to talk about with the younger boys now, and and always encourage it whenever I'm, you know hear the boys talking about it is about getting that sort of your lifestyle and habits right off the field in order to enhance your rugby. And then, so that set, so you talked to 2016 and did a bit of travelling and then set up 2017, you know, a pretty successful year. Yep. Well, take us through the highs of that. It was successful, yeah. So I uh, I did a lot of travelling that year. Actually, that was a year I was land, done a fair bit of landscaping, met my partner, Cerise. We ended up having our first child in uh, 2018. But also, we won the Super League Grand Final 2017, which was, to put it into context, we, we, I got over there in 2015. Now, talk about the roller coaster. Got over there in 2015, won everything. So we won Challenge Cup, we won League Leaders, we won the Super League, lifted the Super League, Super League trophy at the end of the year by beating Wigan in the Grand Final. Just, I got runners up for Man of Steel, Man of Steel which is like the equivalent of Daily M over here. And then 2016, found ourselves. I found myself um, single, you know, just broken up from my with with my partner at the time on my own in a relegation battle, having conversations with the club about moving on, etc. And then found my feet at the end of the year, rebuild, reminded myself a lot of those about a lot of those lessons that you know Wayne taught me during that that time with him, rebuilt, and then got to a point where you know probably played my best football. Plus, as a team, we kicked on and did something special because everyone just completely wrote us off. After 2015, a number of big names retired from the club, which was considered the golden generation, golden decade, sorry. They thought we'll never come back from it. So we proved more. We had our backs against the wall, proved everyone wrong. And yeah, it was probably one of the funnest years of my life, that 2017 year, because of not just because of lifting the trophy, 
the Super League trophy, but because of the the balance of lifestyle that came with it, and then to top it all off, finding out about you know going to have my first child and getting to meet you in 2018 when we played Melbourne Melbourne Storm in yeah, the World Club Challenge, funny. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, wasn't a highlight actually because I broke my hand pretty badly in that game, but. I didn't mean <laughs> maybe you was a lot, obviously, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you came down to Melbourne yeah. and I was I was at Collingwood at the time and yeah. took you in and did some recovery. At yeah, the, you did, yeah. The I was club built. there and used the gym and yeah. present you with a, a Collingwood football jumper. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, you know, like we laugh, but like you, we talk about that now. Like they're the experiences that I would never have got otherwise if I didn't play the game, didn't love the game didn't like follow my nose when it came to opportunity in the game you know the one thing that I can say about rugby league is it's I've been really fortunate to play the game and it's taken me some really amazing places and I've sort of touched on a bit of the negative today (laughs) but we're going to get to the positive yeah but yeah and the the thing is like it can bring you so much joy like and 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 allow you to have so many experiences that you just could not like I talk about it with my mates all the time. Like, I've got a couple of mates uh, that have got trades and families and they just never got to travel, you know. We never got to see a different things from a different perspective because, you know, they got tied down with work or whatever. So really fortunate to be able to, to have the job I had and and uh, live that career I lived. Yeah, definitely. So the positive, let's do definitely now talk about the positive. Um, so I want to know how today – and into the future, you live your best version? I think, so now now that I'm a lot older, and I don't know if I'd say a lot wiser, but I'm wiser, I, I definitely understand how to process. It sounds sort of strange. Like I, I wouldn't say I struggle mentally too much or more than the average bloke out there. Um, but what I definitely know is when I do have those points in my day or of the year or whatever it is, I'd know how to recognize it quicker. And I know those, those things that, so I know how to like almost put them out before they, they, they begin. I just understand myself better, a lot better nowadays than I ever did before. And that comes with time and age and experience. And what gives an insight or what are some of the things you do to, to change that mood or like if you've recognized something, what you go to? Yeah, so I think I've learnt a lot more about myself and I've always been real, like proper realistic, like can laugh most things off because of how much I recognise. Like when I get angry about something around the house, like I I have the ability to go, what are you doing? Yeah. Like how stupid is that? Like how, why are you getting, well, so talk about last night, one of the kids was eating shapes on the bed with no bowl. And straight away, I'm like thinking, get angry. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be yeah. It's, it's gonna, there's gonna be there's gonna be problems. Yeah, like that are gonna have it. Like it's gonna be a knock on effect here, and you know, straight away I just right, and that's probably a bad example, but resolve it before you jump to a conclusion or or a quick to, you know, yeah, fire up. You know, um, yeah, really poor example, but my point is, I recognise. It a lot earlier, you know, and I don't have anger issues, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just stuck in a hotel for three weeks with, with three kids under four. Yeah, no, nah, it can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of shapes were they? <laughs> it's funny you say that because, like, 
so that, coming back to Australia, there's yeah. so many foods that I don't Vegemite chicken on the weekend, barbecue chicken. There's so many, not that that's something that I've been craving for eight years, but there's so many foods that like don't realize how much you miss and because there's, there's a lot of processed stuff in, in yeah. the UK because they've got, you know, the population so dense, they've got to feed everyone, don't they? So you don't get the best quality of food. And another thing that I recognized and and, and was quick to to understand how grateful I was when I was in the UK is so Every morning I'd go down, like I'd start my day when I played for Newcastle, going to the beach, having a coffee at Merriweather, just sitting there, taking it in. It was almost like therapeutic to me. So living in the UK, just don't have those opportunities. So over eight years, I've just been so, I've been so grateful for what we've had, you know, especially living in Australia now, coming back. It's just so exciting to be back and be able to have all those things that you once didn't realize, you took advantage of to a degree, you know. Yeah, or took it for granted. Took it for granted, absolutely. Or, um, yeah, and then having these things here too, it's making the most of them. Mate, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Putting the time, making the time and the effort. I have no problem with early morning starts anymore because mm. that I realised how, like on the weekend I talked about we went to Cape Hillsborough. Me and Mrs. are just like on board, like we get it now, living in the UK for that period of time. Four o'clock we had to get up, otherwise we missed the ruse yeah. on the beach. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it because once you take that step forward and you get in the car, yeah, you might be tired, yeah, you might be sore, yeah, you might be thinking about what Monday's like, but I guarantee you once you get there, it's special. Yeah, your kid's going to remember it. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and especially Mackay, like the early mornings here, mate, that's the best time to use you know, yeah. because it does get hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so get up and before that sun rises and make most of the early mornings. I've only been here three weeks. I can tell you Mackay is so special, like, the surroundings you got. I know everyone loves just fishing. Yeah. <laughs> everyone loves fishing, but there's so many cool like spots in Nakai that I'm starting to be educated about and, and sort of find. So yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, Dare to Dream, uh, finishing on a couple of points. And one of them is I'd like to know what are some of the goals you have this year um, for yourself personally, professionally, and I guess the team as well, the club. Yeah. So it's, it's a funny one. I'm 37 now. I've, I've, I've been lucky to lift a lot of big trophies, but and throughout my career, I've never, I've, I've, all, I've always said to myself, the days I've always enjoyed the game. I love, I'm a very competitive type of person. But the, the scariest thing for me as a player was fizzling out. And I know we spoke when we early in the year about the playing role alongside the working role. And the one thing I said to you is, if I, if I play this year, I'm going to give it a good crack. And I mean it because I hate the thought of ever fizzling out. I hate the thought of being able to be competitive. So this year for me, like, I just want to make sure that as long as I'm playing or a part of the squad, whether it's women's or men's, that I'm really effective and having a really positive influence on where the team can go, um, whether it's up the ladder to a top fourth spot or to win something. I just want to make sure or just create some foundations for the future within the women's game and men's game here. So just, just making sure I walk away at the end of the year leaving that, that positive influence behind on the club, on the teams, and, yeah, pushing the younger players to help better them to realise that there is an opportunity to go win something and do something special. Mm. It's just about believing in it and buying in as a group. So that's that sort of – I suppose it's, a, it's, a, it's not really an answer because everyone wants – at the end of the day, everyone wants to win trophies. Everyone wants to win, you know, the Q Cup. 
and then go on to play the New South Wales, whoever wins the New South Wales Cup and beat them. Everyone wants that, but you've got to do all that lead-up stuff to get there. So that lead-up stuff is just by having that positive influence and making sure that you're leaving no stone unturned. Uh, one piece of advice, if you can leave us with, is what we'll finish with. For a junior cutter, male and female, we've got some good pathways here, or even someone who hasn't even made our pathway yet. What's a piece of advice you can pass on that you've experienced that you would have like a younger Adam Cuthbertson to know? I sort of, I figured this out after I played my first grand final. So I played in 2007 grand final against Melbourne. Went by like a flash. Like don't remember it at all. After that, one of the older boys that played with spoke to me about how important it is to embrace the moment. So like... If you get an opportunity to play in a big game, not just thinking about the big game and like preparing all week just for the big game, but embracing the lead up to it, around games like that, you create a lot more memories around the game than you actually do in the game. The game goes so quick that it's gone by by a flash. Sure, you know, there's going to be highlight reels left, right, and center after any big game, but those conversations, those opportunities to spend time with your mates in that setting, before and after, they're the they're the true memories and the important ones that you take away from with and and reflect on in the future when you catch up with them when you're sitting at home and it pops into your mind and having a laugh on your own or whatever. So I suppose what I'd say is just embrace the time you get. Don't think about how awful the fitness drill is going to be. Think about how much you're going to be laughing about it post the session and enjoying your time with your mates. Just embrace the moments you get mm -hmm. because they fly by. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll finish on that, Adam. Uh, thanks again for, for jumping in and, <laughs> and doing this. It's really good insight. I'm sure people listening to this have got to know you a little bit better and look forward to cheering you on in, in a Cutters jersey this year at BB Print. Appreciate it. Change the game. Brought to you by the Mackay Cutters.